0: Welcome to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. In this program, Marty discusses waterfowl and upland bird hunting, as well as the Clay Target shooting sports, with some of the top industry leaders and shooting pros from around the world. If you're just starting out, or you've been hunting and shooting for years, we'll have Wing and Clay Target news and information that you can use. Now, here is your host, Marty Fisher. And it is
1: that time again, and I am very, very, very happy to be with you today uh marty fisher's wing and clay nation you know and we talk about we talk a little bit about everything that's regarding the wing shooting world and the clay shooting world and and uh and kind of all things in between but uh, uh what a what a great time of year you know the weather's cooled off and you know some places it's uh, bitterly cold already and and uh, you guys up in the midwest are having some tough times and you know i really feel for you i um <clears throat> You know, I'm really happy that the waterfowl seasons are, are underway all over the place. You know, we've had our little break down here in the South, and and the uh, duck season comes back in uh, uh, on Saturday. So, uh, a lot of guys are are excited about that. And um, <clears throat> you know, in that regard, my guest today is going to be Tom Roster. Tom is I uh, uh, had Tom a, a few weeks ago, and and to be very honest with you, the um, the show was uh, was so well received. I got uh, got so many emails and so many comments on social media and so many questions on some of the talk groups that I'm on and and people that I talk to person to person, you know, said, hey, you need to have that guy back on. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the wing and clay, or not wing and clay, the, the clay target shooting. You know, we kind of got off in that direction a little bit with lead loads and and uh, I had really wanted to talk to Tom about non-toxic stuff with waterfowl and upland. And, and uh, we're going to do that today. And uh, I'm going to bring Tom on here in just a minute. When we do, we're going we're to clean up a little bit from that first show. We've got a couple of, of lead shot type clay questions that, uh, that we want to get final. And, uh, and then we'll jump into the non-toxic stuff. But uh, before I bring Tom on, I want to remind everybody, as always... The first segment of my show, as it has been from day one, uh, is brought to you by my good buddies up at the Crushable Vault. That's one of the most innovative firearm protection products on the market. That's made for when you are traveling with your guns. Now, that should get everybody's attention. Uh, Crushable Vault looks like a piece of luggage. You can put multiple cases in it, up to 40 inches of length. They've got a 38 and a 40, so make sure when you order, if you got a longer case, get the 40. Uh, Those cases are secured with the Crushable Vault's interlocking cable system, and then you can secure that into a locking point in the the bed of your truck, your SUV, your automobile. Uh, It's designed by hunters and shooters to be the perfect way to totally secure guns for traveling to hunt and shoot, and it does exactly that. Now, you'll find a lot more information if you go to their website, crushablevault.com, And if you do, right now, they've got some special holiday gift discounts on that site. So you might want to get on there and take advantage of that. That'll get you some pretty good discounts off of their pricing. Check them out, crushablevault.com. And when I see you somewhere down the road, you will thank me that you have that product. Now... I'm going to disperse with all of the wing and clay news and all of the stuff that, that I do sometimes. There's not a whole lot going on, but, <clears throat> you know, if I've got Tom Roster on the phone, I, I, I want to get as much of that man's time as I can because he is, he's the expert. He is a walking, talking encyclopedia when it comes to this stuff. And I, I actually want to, I like to build a show that I do with Tom as the no BS hour. Okay. I mean, this is going to be straight fact from data collection over more than four decades. And with all of that introduction, Tom Roster, welcome back to Wing and Clay Nation, buddy.
2: Thanks very much, Marty. Glad to be here.
1: Well, look, as I, I said, and I and I wasn't blowing smoke up anybody's dress. I mean, I had so many people that said, wow that guy has some really 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 concise information and i and you know and and, I, and i've tried to tell everybody well it's you know it's from the, you know the real gathering of data and you know i, I always uh, run into people that say, "Boy, Marty, I would love to have your job." You know, I used to do TV. Now I do radio. You know, I I get to hunt all over the place, and and I tell them, I said, you know, there's only one guy's job I would rather have than mine, and that's Tom Rosters because Tom <laughs> gets to gets to shoot. To gather data, and then of course once I talked to you a little bit and, and got down into the real data part, I said, "Now wait a minute, I'm not so sure I want to be that concise, <laughs> you know, and have to go do all of those crazy things that you have to do every time somebody, yourself or somebody with you, knocks down a bird." And we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, so that people know what kind of what kind of data do you actually gather. But what I want to do uh, before we get into the non-toxic stuff that <clears throat> that I really want to talk about today. Uh, we have got a little uh, a little housekeeping we need to do from our previous show uh, because I, you know, I had a bunch of questions sent to me, and, and you know, it's it, as crazy as it is. An hour is never enough time, you know, when you're talking to somebody that's got a lot of things that they can talk about. So uh, I want to clean those those few questions up, and I uh, <clears throat> I actually wrote them down here just so I could could make sure that I uh, that I had them precise. Um, and one of those questions came from the uh, Uh, Shotgun World uh, website, Uh, one of the talk group questions on there in the the sporting clay side, it says, can we reconcile the claims that slower loads pattern better than faster ones when you consider that most of the top shooters are shooting loads that are running 1,250 to 1,300 feet per second? Now, the top guys a lot of times shoot more choke. Does that Faster speed or wider, or, you know, perhaps a wider pattern of the faster stuff. Does it make up for that when they go to tighter chokes? And uh, well, I'll turn it over to you, Tom.
2: Okay, that's a very good question. And all I have to say to begin with is yes. Uh, in a in a pure world, the eleven hundred foot second load is going to pattern tighter with lead than w- out of any choke. than would a thirteen hundred foot second load, but It's a matter of degrees. So 1,200 to 1,300, even maybe getting to 1,330 or so foot seconds, will not harm the pattern that much at all. It it harms it a little. Mm -hmm. If you've got the high antimony, 5 6% shot, if that's what's in the shell, Mm -hmm. if you've got lesser antimony in the shell, then it will have more of a deleterious effect Uh, crushing pellets against each other in the bottom of the shot charge, that's where most of the deformation happens on lead. The faster you launch it, the more that deformation happens. So the harder the pellet is, the more they're resistant. So that's why it's not dumb, and it's actually smart, to have a 1,300-foot-second shell for the longer um, sporting clays shooting, if you're shooting lead shot, but it's got to be high antimony loads. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be my answer to that. The other thing is, guys, when they shoot a lot, over time, they find a velocity range that works for them. Somehow their brain clicks for their perceived lead with that velocity. So uh, let's say it's 1300. They learn that works best for them, and they try to select loads that go 1300 as much as possible. Another guy will select 1,200-foot-second loads because, for some reason or another, the way he perceives and finds lead works best for him. So that's the other reason why there's some variation in the velocity they pick. But -hmm. there's no need to go crazy and go to 1,400 and 1,500-foot-second shells. That will definitely deform lead, even if it's high antimony.
1: Right, well, yeah, and that... That you know, I mean, you you can only get it so hard, you know, it, it, you know, then before it becomes brittle, I, I would assume, and uh, and then then you're just defeating, you know, the whole purpose of of uh, getting that uh, that high dollar stuff yeah. anyway. Now, well, it isn't
2: so much getting brittle as it is the higher the antimony, the harder it is for the droplet of lead uh, from the shot tower to form a round shape. So mm-hmm. once you get above about six percent you got to have a significantly higher shot tower than anybody's got on planet earth so that's the limiting factor more than anything is forming the round sphere
1: and, and you know one of the things you and I talked about we talked a little earlier today and uh, and you you said something to me that, that and, and we're we're actually going to get into this a little later on but uh, you 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 mentioned that round is not actually the 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 perfect uh, the perfect pellet, it would it would be more teardrop would be more perfect, I think I heard you say.
2: Yeah, that's true. If you were looking at just the shape of the of the projectile, uh, something like a spear or a, a dart uh, would be a, probably ultimate for a shot shell uh, pellet. And then as you move away from that shape, uh, you're getting more towards roundish stuff. Uh, and so then we've been conditioned to think that round, you know, perfectly round, is the very best thing. And of course, it, you know, if that's good. That's good. But the very best thing is not round, really. The very best thing is a, a teardrop shaped pellet. So if you look at a teardrop, it's round on half of it. And then the back half, it tapers to a point. And that's forming a boat tail. That boat table stabilizes its flight. Anybody who's into rifles knows that and helps that projectile go straight, whereas a round ball doesn't have that going for it, so it's more vulnerable to veering off of a straight line.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, now, one of the questions that that, that I have, uh, you know, as we start talking about the perfect sphere... You know, and and as you say, there are, you know there are limiting factors in lead, just because lead, no matter what, is actually a soft metal, and you can only make it so hard. And right. uh, uh, so, you know, a lot of guys, and this is this is you know hunters and and clay target shooters. What about the plated shot? You know, I mean that plated stuff is out there—copper plating, nickel plating. You know, does that make a difference?
2: Well, that would it would, it, and nickel plating is let's say that's good right now. And in copper plating, it used to be good. So if you're going to plate with copper, you're doing that because it's harder than lead. And if you can get a true jacket on the outside, which you can only get by electrolysis, now you've got something more resistant on the surface of it, which when those pellets are in the outside of the shot charge, rubbing along the inside of the barrel or poking through the wad and touching the barrel, they're much more resistant to being flattened uh, along the side they're rubbing on the barrel. The same mm-hmm. thing with nickel. A nickel is even better because the nickel is even harder. But the trouble is that today nobody is electrolysis plating copper on any kind of pellet. I don't care if it's lead, steel, or bismuth. It's really just a wash. And they mm-hmm. can call it copper plating because Sammy doesn't have any definition of what plating means. So they can they can use a term very loosely. In nickel, it really is electrolysis plated. And uh, it's even harder than copper. And it very, very much helps your pellets, assuming that they are hard. If they're soft, and then you put a nickel plate on it, that's not really helping much. It looks nice. But if you go pattern test, you'll find your hard lead unplated pellets pattern just as good or better than softish nickel plated pellets. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the nickel plated lead that comes from Europe is in fact like three or four percent antimony if it's lucky. So you want to watch that carefully.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, now now here's one. Here's one that probably probably actually is going to fit our later discussion too once we once we get into the non-toxic load conversation uh, but it but it certainly fits here in uh, with the clay targets as well. Uh, give me your thoughts on long distance patterns. I'm talking about the 60 70 yard stuff uh, you know okay. Shot drop, lead? yeah, yeah. Shot drop, wind drift. I mean, uh, all of those things obviously have, have, have got to play a factor somewhere.
2: They do. And uh, my first question for you is I haven't checked the rules lately. Do you have to shoot lead at sporting clays?
1: Uh, no, no, okay. you don't. In fact, there are a lot of clay places that, uh, that, that shoot non toxic because, because of the environmental right. side of it.
2: Okay, good. Now you've got a really neat subject we'll we'll eliminate in three minutes. So if you're talking about uh, drop in flight, so a guy shooting a 60 to 70-yard crosser, and uh, he's worried that his pellets are dropping, he's got to compensate for it. It's only going to drop, depending upon the velocity, the higher the velocity, the less it'll drop by a couple inches. Notice a couple means two. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to drop more than a foot. And so if you're a guy that, as you go on your crosser, you scrape the belly of the target to get ahead of it, on a crosser a really long away you might want to be more level with it. And that's what I have. That will compensate for any kind of little drop there. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to do on these long-range birds I have to shoot that test sure. all mm-hmm. these loads. Mm-hmm. If Okay, so now uh, it, it's meaningless on an overhead shot, and it's meaningless on a going-away shot. So, th- so that leaves us with wind drift. Wind drift is, can be a big, bad thing. So when we look at a 60-yard bird, and we're looking at a little 7.5 lead, you're looking at 2 to 3 feet of wind drift, depending upon uh, if you're talking about a, a 15 to 30-mile-an-hour wind. The higher the wind, the more it's going to drift. Uh-huh. So now, if you're swinging on a left to right and it's going with the wind, that's a no-brainer because you're automatically going with the speed of the bird and then getting ahead of it, so you don't have to do anything. If the bird is going against the wind, on a strong wind like that on a long shot, then you've got to use a little more forward allowance, a perceived forward allowance than you normally would. If you're shooting an overhead shot... Because of that wind drift, what I have to do on a high overhead on a crosswind, like that that's going to be two to three feet I don't swing up through the body. I swing up through the, wind, the wing tip uh-huh. on the side that the wind is coming from. And that, I've learned, gives you a compensation for that wind drift. So on your clay target, you'd actually have to come up with a little bit of air space. Uh, perceived airspace on the side the wind is coming from.
1: On uh, an Yeah, and that's uh you know obviously that that takes that takes a little bit of work. You know, I mean you. Uh, yeah, it does uh, because it, and it's not uh, it, 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 it kind of
2: intuitive, and you have got to train yourself. Exactly, the, it goes against train, where, everything you've done.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you know, you're not going to get a lot of drop. Now you mentioned to me, you know, can you know, do you have to shoot lead? Did you have something in mind that maybe somebody would yeah, shoot some of this? Not, and I, and I, I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you, and I'm sure that uh, uh, that uh, that that later tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get hit on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on my uh, social media stuff, it says, "Now wait a minute, now Marty, I don't know if we can shoot if we can shoot a uh, heavy shot or something because uh, well, one of the things, you know, and I don't know, I'd I'd have to look, uh, you know, if if the the regulating bodies say okay, you got to shoot lead because they they you know a lot of places you can shoot steel, but steel doesn't travel as far as lead, and the non talk heavy stuff." may actually travel a tiny bit further. I don't know. I haven't tested it. You would know it, that. Yeah, it, that
2: it, I would. it would. No, you're right. You're right on. So uh, I don't know what the rules are. And all what the shot size limit has always been is worrying about shot fallout distance and trying to keep the shot on the property mm-hmm. of the uh, shooting club. Okay. So but let's say you've got uh, the luxury of a lot of distance. So most of them are set up so you got 300 yards of shot right. fallout, mm-hmm. so that a 7.5 lead will stay inside there. Okay, but if you're looking at long-range clay target breaking, uh, I'm going to tell you this, and Winchester will tell you this too, because they've, they've run lots of tests trying to teach guys uh, that you can break the heck out of clay targets with steel shot. Mm-hmm.
0: I guarantee
2: you that nothing will bust a clay target at 60 yards, 50, 60, 70 yards better than a number 6 steel pellet. And it won't carry any further than that 7.5 lead. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Handy shot, if you were going to shoot that at a clay target, a long range, that would be even more effective because it's denser, but it'll carry further. So you'd want to have 400 yards shot fallout distance, but it'll do even better than the steel, and if you want to blow your mind, you want to get some of this TSS uh, shot, which is an 18-density pellet, the most dense there is, and you can shoot a little number 9 in TSS, and it'll have the carry and effectiveness the same as about a a 7.5 lead But you'll have a way denser pattern because there's so many more nines in there than Mm -hmm. a seven and a half. And you would once you wouldn't need four hundred, but you would need three hundred yards of fallout distance. So that's where that that stacks up. (laughs)
1: Well I I am confident that you have stimulated conversation, okay? Yeah, <laughs> and, <know> uh, <laughs> and and I appreciate that. But I you know, I, I think most guys are gonna stick with uh, stick with the lead because I know that they, they know that they can. But but the good news is, you know, the um, the, the the shot drop is not that Terribly dramatic, uh, and and you know the no. wind drift. It, the wind drift is more of a factor than the than the shot drop, and I would, right. I would especially in high winds. So that's right. Uh, to summarize,
2: yeah, the shot drop is irrelevant. Don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wind drift. You gotta you got no on. You're on a windy day. You had better practice that overhead incomer on a long target for sure, and sh- and crossers going against that wind. You've got to practice to get that little different lead you're going to need in those two instances, and that's a discipline thing.
1: Well, and that makes all the sense in the world. So, all right, I think that takes care of our... uh, of our cleanup from our last show. And, uh, uh, you know, at, at some point down the road, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have you on again. And by then we'll have a bunch more questions from, uh, no. from those clay oh, guys. Yeah. And we can talk about that. But what, what I really wanted to do, because we, we honestly didn't get to do it in the last show. And, um, uh, you know, and hey, by the way, you clay guys, any of you guys, shoot clays, if you're a, bir- a bird hunter, you better stay with me here because we've got some, we've got some really, really good information coming. Now, now Tom, you know, you're your your real and I say real expertise. I mean what you have focused on a lot in the past 15 or so years maybe even a little bit more is this non-toxic stuff for waterfowl and and now for upland and uh you know we talked a little bit last show we started off with the steel then it's moved to bismuth then it's moved to heavy shot and 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 uh, the all the tungsten blends and this that and the other so let's talk about that a little bit for the you know for most of the rest of the show i i, I kind of want to you know get your thought on uh on, on the performance of all of those different types of uh, shot uh, options.
2: Very good. Let's take them one at a time. And okay. uh, steel, steel will take the most time, so maybe that'll take us up to break. If break uh-huh. is 3.30, my time. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, steel was the first non-toxic that came along that seemed to work, and um, it's still with us. It's still the cheapest of all the metals that are non-toxic, and it will remain the cheapest because we have the greatest resources of iron here on planet Earth. So nothing's ever going to be cheaper uh, than steel shot. The second reality of steel, everybody got worried about it, was, oh, it's light. That's what they said. Well, mm-hmm. they, they meant dense density. It was not very dense. It's only... Put this in your pocket and try to memorize these. It's only like 8 grams per cubic centimeter, whereas lead is 11 grams per cubic centimeter. So that's, uh, that's quite a tick downward uh, from lead. And the only way you can get steel shot to perform like a lead pellet uh, from all of my testing over 30-some-odd years, and that would be on taking birds with mm-hmm. steel shot, Versus lead is you. Ha- I found that bottom line was you had to use about a two sizes bigger pellet to get the same job done as with lead. The good news about steel is right now it's actually a little cheaper than lead pellets, and it penetrates better than lead because it's so hard. It retains its shape, and so therefore when it strikes birds it punctures them about 10% deeper from my necropsies than an equivalent lead pellet. So if you're smart about how you pick your pellet size and you're smart about your chokes, uh, you can can be very effective with steel shot over a lot of distances. Uh Now, there's not just round steel shot. That was another one of its virtues is it was made by a ball-bearing process, so it's very round and uniform. But there's also less round, Winchester has one called Expert that's not made by this ball bearing process, and it's less round and much less expensive than traditional steel. You've got over at Federal in this black cloud, they've got Saturn-shaped, that's the planet with the rings around Mm -hmm. it, Saturn-shaped steel pellets, besides round steel pellets, and they they mix those together, or uh, various combos, to come up with their black cloud load. Then Winchester has a cube, to make it simple, a cube-shaped pellet uh, that they call blindside, and that's designed to be a very close-range uh, flooded timber-type type load. Uh-huh. So you have various shapes, and you want to remember, if you're buying a black cloud that's all Saturn-shaped pellets, I'm not saying that's the only black cloud, but that's one of them. That's not going to pattern as well at all compared to a steel load that has all round pellets in it. And, of course, the the blind side is going to pattern, this is not a good word, but I'll use it, the poorest of all because it's designed for open pattern, close range shooting. Mm -hmm. So those are your choices on shot. And when you go to somebody like Kent, Uh, You're getting all round steel pellets. They don't have any other shape. Rio is the same way. All their pellets are highly formed round steel. Same thing. Uh Uh, Okay, those would be our main companies. Winchester, Remington. Winchester also has round steel pellet loads, and Remington's are only round steel pellet loads, okay? And Uh Federal Uh are only round steel pellet loads, except for that black cloud stuff. So that's that's the way it stacks up. And you want to uh, be always remembering the two size differential and you wanna be you wanna check your patterns and usually if you're using round steel because of patterns so well, you often have to use a little more open choke uh than you're used to with lead uh to make your hitting reasonable. Because remember, when you get tighter patterns, this will be another show someday. <laughs> When you get tighter patterns, you also get shorter shot strings, uh-huh. and that makes hitting the target harder, more difficult. Wow.
1: Well, okay. uh, and, and, and let me, you know, uh, we'll finish up this, this, uh, this, this initial segment with this question. Um, I alluded to it when we talked earlier, and, uh, you know, folks haven't heard it. They're going to hear it now. You know, for years, what did we hear? Steel, this steel is terrible. It won't kill birds. All it does is wound birds. Uh, address that for me in about a minute if you can.
2: Well, how about, 10, how about 15 seconds? The reason uh, that happened <laughs> is because there was poor education, and these guys went forth with their traditional full-choke guns. So now they got a highly dense patterning load and a full-choke gun, and they had a heck of a hard time hitting the target. That was the main problem. And they can't see the pellets going out there, and they can't see that, golly, most of them are way off to the side here, and they just fringe hit this thing. So they just assume that steel sucked, and they also bought the wrong size pellet. They bought the same size pellet in steel that they were used to shooting in lead. Over time, hopefully the education is starting to erase that. And remember, it must have done something, because 90% of all the non-toxic shot shells sold in America are steel loads.
1: Uh huh. All right. Well, <clears throat> that being the case, we're getting ready to come up on a break right here, and but I'm going to uh, I'm to jump. I'm going to jump in before I get into that break and just remind everybody. Uh, you know, we've got another great sponsor of this show, Nagreeny Gun Cases. You know, if you're looking for that perfect gift for the hunter or shooter on your Christmas list, well, you don't have to look any further than a great custom gun case by Nagreeny you probably got a Negrini case and you don't even know it. Uh, They make the cases for most of the fine gun manufacturers around the world. You know, companies, Beretta, Browning, Blosser, Cesar Garini, Zoli, Krigoff, Pirazzi, and many more. But a custom case by Garini, and that's what Marty uses, is a step above those standard cases. They're made in Italy using the finest Italian leather. And upholstery. And I'm going to tell you, they're TSA approved, they're international airline approved, they're really lightweight, and they're super, super strong. Stronger than aluminum, as a, fa- as a matter of fact. So make your gift the highlight of somebody's Christmas. Maybe you'll give one to yourself. That might not be a bad idea. But so check them out, greenycases.com. And with that, let's take this quick break, and we'll be back with Tom Roster right after these messages.
0: The Variety Channel. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email. Wing and Clay Radio at gmail.com. That's wing and clay radio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And
1: back we are, and uh, I've got uh, my buddy Tom Roster on the line, and uh, we've been talking about all sorts of good stuff. Uh, we're really getting into the nuts and bolts of uh, non-toxic shot for uh, for uh, upland birds and waterfowl now. And, hey, I want to, be- before we get back to Tom, if you're a social media guy, I want to I want I want you to be a part of what we're doing social media with uh, with Wing and Clay Nation Radio. Uh, okay. My website is wingandclayradio.com. Uh, if you're a Facebook person, facebook.com/slash wingandclayradio. On Twitter, it's uh, twitter.com/slash wingclaynation, and then finally on Instagram. Uh, Instagram dot slash wing and clay radio. So, you know, if you, if you could jump on any of those sites and and come join us and, and participate and be a part of what we're doing and, you know, post your pictures, post your stories. You know, we'd love to have them ask your questions. Uh, that's uh, that's really what all of this is about. So uh, uh, by all means, uh, come be a come be a part of the part of what we do. All right, let me get back to Tom. And Tom, you know, as, as we were as we were going out of the um, initial break there, uh, talked a little bit about steel loads, and and like you say, let's face it, I mean, most of the stuff that people shoot uh, for for waterfowl and now some of the upland is steel, but there are some other alternatives. I know years ago the next thing that, that landed in my lap was bismuth, and I was like, what the heck is, is bismuth? And I you know, I actually shot some of it, and, and it, uh, uh, it, it, it served me fairly well. So let's talk about bismuth a little bit and, uh, and, okay. and where, it, where it's come from and, and where you think it's headed.
2: Okay, before we do, I'm going to finish up a little bit on steel. Okay. So we, we said that it's less dense than lead. You've got to use a two-sizes-bigger pellet to get the same performance. I know that from all of the thousands of birds that we shot in these various steel versus lead shooting tests on all kinds of different species of waterfowl, uh, ducks, and geese all over America. Uh, there were 13 shooting tests. They cost millions of dollars to conduct, and they were financed by uh, state agencies, the feds, some foreign countries, some foreign uh, hunting organizations uh, in, in Europe and Canada and in Australia. And uh, that's what financed all my research for about 35 years. There were also ammo companies that financed it, particularly uh, Remington, Winchester, and Environmental. Environmental makes the heavy shot stuff. Uh So another thing we had to learn to do on steel is we launched it faster than lead. So lead was about a 1,200 to 1,250-foot-second piece of equipment. We had to learn on steel to make it about a 1,300 to 1,350 piece of equipment to compensate a little bit for its lightness. But today now there's all kinds of loads that are going just hugely fast, like 1,450 to 1,550 foot seconds. Now, I've tested those, and I'm not saying they won't kill a duck and they won't kill a goose because they will, but they're not going to kill a duck or goose any further away And what they are going to do is increase the recoil of the load hugely. And for a lot of our shooters, they're aging, and that recoil is becoming more and more of a problem. So as long as you've got your steel loads going at least 1,300 foot seconds, you're fine. That's all you really need, and so it's up to you what you want to buy. I'm not not a salesperson. Um, The next thing we want to get into is bismuth, because what everybody kept looking for is, well, Let's get some kind of substitution for lead. that's just like lead. That was their mantra. we got to have it just as much as like lead as we can get it. So we need it soft because the steel shot's real hard. And then the, the, another whole subject is gun damage, which we can save for some other show. All I'll say now is that the gun damage is pretty much over. One of the reasons is because I patented a wad to protect the barrel from a hard shot, and that became used by all these companies all over the world for 17 years until my patent expired, and then they still use it, but they don't have to pay me anything anymore. (laughs) Darn. (laughs) That's solved a lot of problems, I'll tell you what. But anyway, then uh, bismuth came along, and bismuth is a softish metal. Unfortunately, it's a rare earth metal, and so it's a very expensive metal. So when we look at lead, we're looking at like, two dollars a pound for lead shot and steel shots like a buck eighty a pound for, for steel. It's actually cheaper now than lead. Bismuth, you're looking at more like, uh, fifteen, sixteen dollars a pound for bismuth. So a substantial increase in cost, uh, to load bismuth shots or you're going to pay more. The shot, the shot is soft. You can shoot it in any kind of gun, any kind of choke, no problem. You don't need any special wad. Um, but it's, it's Achilles tendon has always been that it's a brittle metal. And, um, and so a lot of the pellets would actually bust apart before they left the barrel. So over time, they, we've had to learn to alloy bismuth with tin, And the Uh early bismuth that you shot had only a 3% tin content, and that helped, uh, but it didn't didn't go far enough. As of about three years ago now, especially when Kent started making its own bismuth pellets, and now today the heavy shot people make their own bismuth pellets, um, they add 6% tin to the pellet. And that does quite a bit to help with, there's still maybe a couple of pellets that bust apart, but it's not a big deal anymore. Right. Now, when you add tin, because it's less dense to bismuth, you bring down its density. And if you had pure bismuth, it would be almost 11 density. But once you get enough tin in there to solve this problem, we're looking at about a 9.5 grams per cubic centimeter. So it's sort of like in between steel and lead for density. So you've got to use, from my testing so far, now I don't have it yet in my lethality table because my research is not done, but it will get there. But so far it looks like you've got to use about a one size bigger bismuth pellet to get the same job done as you were used to with lead. So that's uh-huh. maybe one rule of thumb that I think will will uh, maintain itself as the research goes on. Um, there are various velocity levels. Now, once you have a dense pellet like lead or bismuth, you don't need real high velocities. So most of the bismuth loads are 1350 or less foot seconds, and that's plenty fast enough. If you get up higher than that, which there are some loads now. it's just like with steel. It's not going to kill anything any better, but it will help uh, degrade the pattern somewhat because you're going to deform more of these soft pellets and you're going to maybe cause more uh, busting apart of, of pellets too. So that's something to keep in mind. And uh, a lot of that high velocity stuff is just a marketing a marketing deal. but from a ballistic standpoint it it's really not necessary again mm-hmm. you're looking at higher recoil with higher velocity, so that's basically the story on bismuth and for chokes, you want to be using the same chokes from my pattern testing uh, that you're used to with lead to get the same the same kind of patterns
1: okay well <clears throat> that 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 works then okay so we, we've covered bismuth and then we've covered steel and and hey, why, before we jump into, uh, into what a lot of people are, 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 are using, and of course, it's, it's got a little price point to it, but it seems to be really good, uh, mm-hmm. I, I do want to say this. Uh, you know, I've got another great sponsor that has come on the show, the Etowah Valley Game Preserve up in Dawsonville, Georgia, up north of Atlanta. And hey, you know what? If you're looking for a great Christmas present that's going to leave a lasting impression on someone, give them a day in the great outdoors. Do it with an upland bird hunt at Etowah Valley Game Preserve up in Dawsonville, Georgia. That's just in north metro Atlanta. So if you're ever in the Atlanta area, this place is uh, is not far at all. Now, Etowah Valley Game Preserve has hundreds and hundreds of acres of the finest upland bird habitat you'll find anywhere in the south. You can shoot bobwhite quail, chuckers, Hungarian partridge, and ringneck pheasants. So, you know, boy, what a, what a fun day that could be. Uh, you can do a half-day hunt. You can do a full-day hunt. You can even bring your own hunting dog, and that's something that uh, you can't do at a lot of places. Uh, they also have a feathers and clays package where you can, can shoot birds at the game preserve and then shoot clays at the nearby Etowah Valley Sporting Clays facility, one of the finest in the South. So if you want a memorable hunting experience, give these guys a look. EdowaValleyGamePreserve dot I can promise you, it's a it's a great place, great people. You'll have an absolute blast. EdowaValleyGamePreserve dot All right, Tom. Let's move into. uh, You know, you had mentioned that you did some work for environmental and. yeah, you know we can talk a little heavy shot now. You know that uh, oh, yeah. I remember when, yeah, when that stuff came on board, everybody was like, "Holy smokes!" I mean, you know, <laughs> here is uh, here's the holy grail. You know that uh, uh, because it was so different from everything else. So, talk a little bit about uh, about heavy shot for me.
2: Okay, or Before for against there one thing there's like six companies that are loading bismuth. You got Kent, uh-huh. Rio, RST, the heavy shot people themselves now. Uh, have their own foundry and are making their own pellets, so they're loading bismuth. And another startup outfit in uh, Michigan called Boss, that's all they do load is bismuth. Mm-hmm. So there you are. Now, the next, next step up in uh, performance, because the most important thing about a pellet is its density. First, as far as killing something or breaking a clay target, the most important first factor, it's not the only one, is density. So, tungsten is a very dense, heavy metal, denser than lead, and unfortunately, another one of these rare earth metals, and worse yet, most of it's in China. And so, uh-huh. by the time you import it and turn it into a pellet, uh, you got a very expensive uh, pellet type, but it's very, very effective because it has This very high density. The first form we ever saw of tungsten was something that Kent still makes called tungsten matrix. It's a mixture Mm of tungsten powder in a plastic base, and it has about a 10.40 grams per cubic centimeter dense. It's almost as dense as lead, and it's soft because of this uh, plastic uh, matrix, if you will. Mm that holds this this, uh, powder. So there's another uh, actually high-density non-toxic pellet that you can shoot in any gun, any choke. Tents, tungsten, matrix. Very, very good pellet. Very good loads. And you're going to pay more for them because they're very expensive. Um, So let me give you an example. The, The next step up would be heavy shot itself which is an alloy of tungsten and various metals, a lot some nickel and some others in there. It's a very hard high density pellet. It's a twelve density pellet, so it's even denser than lead. And as a consequence the pellets are carried for the same size as a lead pellet. A heavy shot pellet would be carrying more energy downrange. It's also very hard. Another attribute of uh, tungsten is it's hard. It's hard. Unless you did what uh, Kent did, which is very clever. When you alloy tungsten with something else other than plastic, you're going to end up with a hard pellet. So it retains its shape really well when it exits the barrel, just like steel shot does. And consequently, it patterns very well. So I would say your heavy shot today, you would Think of that as your long-range, non-toxic pellets. Uh-huh. Your your uh, bismuth is sort of your, mi- your medium-range, non-toxic pellets, and steel shot could be any range if you're smart about how you select your pellet sizes. Um, but heavy shot is basically a long-range piece of equipment. And now we're looking at something like, instead of uh, $36, let's say, for a, 25-shell box of bismuth, you're looking like at $48 for 10 heavy-shot shells.
1: Or we better make them count.
2: Yeah, that's right. And a lot of guys that have to shoot long range or whatever, <coughs> uh, and or can afford it, whichever way you want to think of it, uh, they, they're not afraid to pay that price at all. They're very happy with it. So the heavy-shot people, this Ralph Nauman, who is the president of that company, He did a dang good job starting that heavy shot, and he's got all kinds of different loads if you go to his website. Not just pure heavy shot, but lower density pellets than 12 uh, in heavy shot in various loads, and then he's now got some mixtures of heavy shot, uh, excuse me, steel, and bismuth pellets. So they've got He's always been, that company has always been the most innovative in the last 10 years. And they got the most different types of non-toxic loads of any company uh, in the world at this point in time.
1: Well, I I know I'm, I'm I'm i, I would oh, yeah. say i and i announced some of those as they were developing developing them you know some of that stuff just just came out recently and you know every time i would see a new load i would i would actually you know promote it on the show and say hey take a look at this this is something new that that nobody's seen and you know i think that's yep. great because uh you know the price points are a little scary but uh they have different price points now it looks like
2: yes see that's what that's what they're doing there they're they realize at that high price point that not many people are going to pay that. So by mixing in bismuth, which is a lower price point, and steel, which is lower yet, um, they've got a, a wide variety of price point loads that are all non-toxic. And you've got to go to your website. They've got a really nice breakdown. Another thing they do that's great is on the back of each box, they got a cutaway view of the shell, and they show you what's in it, what percent of the various pellets are in that shell. That's one thing mm-hmm. they do better, I think, than anybody also. So you heavy shot, you want to think of as you shoot. Don't buy into this, oh, yeah, now I can use a two-sizes uh, smaller pellet and be the same as lead. No. It's only one 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 tick denser than lead. Mm-hmm. So my testing tells me You really have to use about the same size heavy shot pellet to get the same job done on a bird uh, as lead. If you think of it that way, it's easy. And... um, I guess that's a, that's my summary of uh...
1: yeah. Well, and that hey, listen, that's a that's a that's a mouthful. And I, and I've got something else that I want to talk to you about. And uh, <clears throat> and and before we do that, uh, you know, I, uh, I I've got to thank one more of my uh, one more of my partners on the show. And you know, if you, if you're a guy like Tom or a guy like Marty, you know, <laughs> we've heard a lot of gunshots in our lifetime. And you know, there's no time like the present to do something very special you know, for yourself or a hunter shooter that's close to you. Ear, ear protection and shooting go hand in hand. And if you want lasting protection that can truly save your hearing, I want you to take a look at the fine custom digital products from ESP. That's electronic shooters protection. It's what I've been using for more than 20 years to protect my hearing from millions of gunshots. You know, they're custom made for your ears. You can turn the volume up or down as you need to. Anything over 90 decibels, which is when hearing loss starts, gets muted out. That's ESP Electronic Shooters Protection. Go over to the website, take a look, ESPamerica.com. Look at the Stealth model. That's what I use, and I highly recommend it. It's a great, great product. That's ESPamerica.com. Now, Tom, we have talked. We have talked a little bit of clay shooting. We have talked a little, a whole bunch of uh, non-toxic stuff. But the one thing you know, we've got. Uh, oh, I don't know. We've got another six, seven minutes. Well, about five minutes, I, I guess now, my, according to what my screen's telling me here. Um, let's talk about what you actually do. You know, even crop necropsy. That you know what these folks are looking for in in addition to you know to, to how these things pattern and all of that is there's some there's some information that they want about the, how it actually kills birds so talk a little yep. bit about that if you will
2: well everything i said is based on taking these loads and shooting them at wild birds uh, either hunters in shooting tests doing the shooting or myself under permits uh, doing the shooting, all the permits allow me to do is to, to possess a higher uh, possession limit to allow time for the necropsies and the x-rays that we have to do on the bird. Sometimes they allow me uh, shooting in closed areas, but I almost never do that. Mm-hmm. So um, before I go any further, I want to say that I'm not hiding. So if you want to get a hold of me, you got an email TomRoster at charter dot net and you can call me on the phone can i give out a phone number Sure, absolutely absolutely it's in oregon 541 884. 2974. call me in the afternoons because a lot of times this time of the year for several months i'm in the field testing these loads so what i did for a thirty some odd years was run shooting tests that were financed by these agencies that I described and these ammo companies. And they were, they were run on wild birds. There was no game farm birds or there was no, you know, uh, fakey, fakey birds made out of mm-hmm. foam or right. something. They were, they were wild animals. And uh, the way it worked is birds that were, uh, bagged with one shot. We would take those birds and we would x ray them and then we would necropsy them. We x rayed them so we could see if there were pellets in the bird, where the heck the pellets were. The necropsy, what we're looking at is we're counting all the wounds and locating all the wounds on a diagram of the bird. And then if there is, uh, if pellets go all the way through, there's a measure for that. We know by Taking a sample of bodies, how far it is through that way and how far it is all the way through that way. And then on the pellets that remain embedded, we have to go actually into that wound and find the pellet. That's where the x ray comes in. And then remove it. And then they're all saved. That's how we learned about these changes in the shape of the pellets that I talked about. Okay. And then we can average out those depths of penetration and we can learn, we learned over time. What, how many pellets had to be striking the bird and where they had to strike it to cause it to be dead or immobile within 30 seconds. And the strike points that worked were the brain, the cervical vertebrae, the heart, and the lungs. That's what we call the lethal area. And anything else, you could strike it and maybe knock it down, but it would not be dead. And then we had to learn what kind of pattern you had to have of that load and that shot size, so that if you struck the bird properly, uh, one or t- however many strikes we learned had to a- end up on that lethal area to produce a dead or a mobile bird in 30 seconds, 95 times out of 100. Wow! So that's hey, where t- the 28,000 ducks and mm-hmm. geese came from. The the however many tur- turkeys, I think they are 275. Wow. I try to remember how many dogs. That's the latest one we did with dogs. Well,
1: it it's I listen, it's a huge number and and we're we're up on the clock, man. I, but I, okay. I really appreciate you doing that, Tom. I can't thank you enough. Folks, don't hesitate. Tom Roster at charter.net. You know, don't don't hesitate to to send this guy some questions. Uh he can help you with with uh, some loading and all of that type of stuff. Tom, I can't thank you enough. And folks, I can't thank you enough for giving Tom and I an hour of your time. Shoot well, be safe, take a kid hunting, and we'll see you next time. Tom, thank you so much for being on the show, buddy. We'll see you. You're welcome.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to marty fisher's wing and clay nation please join marty again next thursday at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific on the voice america variety channel until next week's show think safety first and good shooting